listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. I put on the title, uh, Why Many People Fail But You Won't. Why many people fail, but you won't. And I wanted to deal with this on the broadcast because uh, victory is not ever, and if you've watched the broadcast long enough, you know that I say this, victory is never random. Favor's not random. The blessing of God's not random. And when you are a believer, you should know by now very well that these things are not automatic. You don't just get saved and go straight to the highest level of blessing that you could possibly experience. It takes a dedication to the kingdom of God and it takes wisdom in the kingdom of God to be blessed. Do you know there's a lot of Christians that are struggling? They shouldn't have to, but the Bible says, book of Hosea chapter four and verse number six, that my people are destroyed. Why? Because of a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Then if you go to the new Testament, you know, the Bible says, Jesus said, John eight thirty two, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free or set you free. And so it is truth. It's the knowledge of the truth that allows you to operate at the highest level of freedom. And of course, if you're watching, I would like you to put that in the comments section today. It is the knowledge of the truth that allows you to operate at the highest level of freedom. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. It is your knowledge of the truth that allows you to operate at your highest level of freedom. And by the way, I'm going to do something that I asked you to do. I'm going to share my own broadcast today. Boom, jump on. There it is. Um, And so we're going to get into that today. It takes truth, takes God's word to put you in a place of victory and freedom. Uh, Jesus said this in John, the gospel of John chapter six and verse 63. He said, the words that I give you, they are spirit and they are life. So the word of God is spiritual life. It allows you to increase. It allows you to be blessed. It's the highest force in the universe. And so I want to deal with this. And as you're putting it in the comments, it's the knowledge of the truth that allows you to operate at the highest level of freedom. And that's exactly right. That's a scriptural principle. It's a scriptural principle. It's my knowledge of the truth that allows me to operate at the highest level of freedom and victory. And so I want to deal with this because it's a very, very important thought today. I'm going to give you this one reason why many people fail, but you will not fail because I'm going to give you what the word of God teaches on this today. We all know God has a plan to bless us. God has a plan to increase us. I quote this scripture often when preaching or on the broadcast, Proverbs 4:18. the path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. So we know that God's desire for you is never ending increase, never ending increase. Don't ever have an expectation 
that, well, you know, we never know what it's going to be like. This year might be great, but next year might be rough. No, that's not your confession. That's not your belief. Not, well, we had a great year this year, but let's cross our fingers. Next year might be, a, we don't have to batten down the hatches and, you know, no. It goes, we go from victory unto victory. We go from faith unto faith. Amen. From grace unto grace. It's from one level to another. That's our plan. That's God's plan. And so we don't expect to diminish. We don't expect to get weaker. We don't expect those things to take place in our lives. We expect things to get better, better, better. Amen. In fact, if that's the plan of God that you're believing for, just put it in the comments. Better, better, better. That's all we're believing for. Better, better, better. In Jesus' name, better, better, better. And so uh, I want to show you why one reason why many believers do not uh, see victory or increase in their lives, businesses, ministries, and it's a scriptural principle. So let's look into it. There's my friend, Ben Fole. Love you, buddy. Watching from Georgia. Better, better, better. That's right. Hey, Chelsea. Better, better, better. So I want you to go with me to, uh, let's start with Proverbs 28. It's a good place to start. Wisdom, book of wisdom. If you're looking for increase, you need wisdom. Proverbs 28. And I would like to look at, uh, let's see. Actually, no, go one chapter over. Proverbs 29. And let's go to the 18th verse. Proverbs 29 and the 18th verse. Listen to this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. It's very interesting. But blessed is he who keeps the law. I like the verse right before it too. Discipline your son and he'll give you rest. He will give delight to your heart. Hmm. Verse 20, right after it also, do you see a man that's hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. So I want you to see this. I'm talking about here discipline. The Bible says where there's no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. One translation says where there's no vision, people perish. And so I want to talk to you for a second about vision. I'm going to talk to you about vision for your life. I'm going to talk to you about uh, how you can achieve or uh, obtain what God has shown you in vision. Of course, we never disregard the master principle of life, business, ministry, whatever, which is Psalm 127 and verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. So I don't ever want to build something God's not building. I mean, that, that should go without saying. We should all understand that. I don't want to build something God's not building. I don't want to do something he didn't call me to do. So that's in regard to your lifelong purpose. You know, I don't want to go, uh, you know, pick a career that God didn't lead me to be in that field. You know, I've known since I was five years old that I was called to be an evangelist, a preacher of the gospel. Well, there's other things I thought about doing. I never did it because I want to do what the Lord's called me to do. In fact, I heard a preacher say one time, 
He said, you should never tell your children when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. You got to be what God called you to be. I'm not going to, you can't be anything you want to be. I can't be anything I want to be. <laughs> Amen. I have to be what God called me to be. Remember this. We are not the masters. We're the servants. We're the disciples. The servant is not greater than the master. The disciple's not greater than the master, the teacher. We are the servants of God. Servants obey. Amen. Servants obey. I'm not the master of my own life. Christ is the master of my life. Let me make, let me make that clear one more time. I am not the master of my own life. Christ is the master of my life. In fact, the Bible teaches uh, that I don't belong to myself. It says you are not your own, but you've been bought with a price. Jesus Christ shed his blood and purchased you back from slavery to sin. And so I don't belong to me. I belong to Jesus. And so as that's true, I'm not the master of my life. Jesus is the master of my life. That's why I can't just say, well, I, I can do whatever I want. I'm a grown man. No, I do what the word of God says to do because I'm not the master. Jesus is the master. And so I want you to say right off the bat and understand that unless the Lord's building the house, they labor in vain. So I'm not going to want to do something God didn't tell me to do. But that aside, because that's not what I'm teaching on today, we should have an understanding that we're not going to just go off and do something that God didn't call us to do. But with that understanding aside and that, that, uh, that thought process embedded, let's go on now. Why do most, some people even know what they're called to do, but they don't succeed in it. They know what they're called to do. They don't see the victory in it. They don't see increase in it. They struggle through it. It is their call but they're struggling through it. I want to deal with it today. Where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. Let me talk about that phrase for a moment, cast off restraint. Restraint is necessary for victory. I want you to put that in the comments today. Restraint is necessary for increase. Let me, let me deal with that for a minute because in the basis of this verse of scripture, we need to understand it. Restraint is necessary for increase, for victory, however you want to write it. And let me explain why. I met a guy when I was in Buffalo, New York, who had just been drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was in my father's uh, revival uh, at the Dream Center in Buffalo, New York. And he came in, big guy, and um, I started talking to him. And he said, yeah, I'm getting ready to go back because we were in the summertime. He said, yeah, I'm getting ready to go back to training camp in Pittsburgh. I said, that's cool. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, how do, they, how do they deal with that? You know, you have, all, you have a few months off in between the season and coming back for training camp. I said, how do they deal with that, you know, with people, uh, you know, their weight and stuff and what they eat and all that? And he said, well, it's interesting. They assign, obviously, they assign to you a nutritionist and they, have, they of course, have a plan for you. And now listen to this, depending on your age, your height, and the position you play on the team, catch this, your age, your height, and the position you play on the team, they set a weight for you. They set a weight for you. 
Obviously, if you are um, a cornerback or if you're a free safety, you're not going to want to weigh the same as a lineman. <laughs> you don't want to be a 450-pound free safety. You're not going to be able to catch anybody. <laughs> and so they base it on your age, your height, and the position you're playing on the team. He said, so based on what they've drafted me to play, they've given me uh, a nutritionist, they've given me an eating plan, a workout plan. He said, but then when I come back to training camp, now this is huge. He said, there's about a two pound grace period or, or grace area above the weight they want me to be and below the weight. So for example, if they want me to be 225, they'll allow me, you know, 226, 227, or 224, 223, but it's like a science. They have determined the perfect weight for somebody of that height, that age, at that position. So he said, if I come back to training camp and I'm above that grace area, let's say I came back at 235 or uh, I'm way below it, I come back at you know uh, 215. He said, they will find me thousands of dollars for every pound that I'm over or under the weight that they want me to be. And so understand something, as a member of that team, he's not in charge of his weight, he's not in charge of his eating, he's not in charge of his workout regimen. They have people that are giving him instructions. Why? Because they want him to perform at the highest level on that team. And they've already determined what is necessary for him to perform at the highest level. It's going to take these certain things. It's going to take these disciplines to get him to perform at the highest level. So what does that mean? He now has a vision. You catch this? He now has a vision for what's necessary to perform at the highest level. So what's it going to take to accomplish that vision? Discipline going to take discipline. So what's he going to do? He has a vision of what he wants to accomplish, but now he cannot cast off restraint as Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. Restraint is necessary for increase and victory. If he wants to see increase in his career, if he wants to see victory in his career, what's it going to take? Restraint I'm sure everybody would like to grab a Krispy Kreme donut box and go to town with 12 Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm sure everybody would love to go eat three quarter pounders with cheese, you know, fries, go like Zach and I go crush like 13 tacos at one time, sit down and eat 19 million orders of food at a restaurant in Houston. We won't talk about that. But anyway, I'm sure everybody, you know, your flesh wants to just indulge. But you know what it takes if you're going to have that kind of victory? It takes restraint. So the, the way it works is, here's your vision, but in order for the vision to come to pass, restraint is necessary to make those things happen. You see what I'm saying? Every, I'll give you another example. Everybody would love to be a multimillionaire. And it's actually very possible to do. But the average person does not have, number one, the vision of what it'll take to become a multimillionaire, and they do not have the restraint necessary to become a multimillionaire. So let, let's talk about this now. You can have a desire, but that doesn't mean you have a vision. 
A desire does not equal a vision. And so it is important to have desire because without it, you won't do the things necessary to accomplish the vision. But most Christians don't have a vision. They don't have a vision and they don't have a plan. They got no plan. We're going to talk about that today. They've got no vision. They've got no plan. And so they don't have the ability to have restraint because they don't even know where they need to restrain themselves. Do you see what I mean by that? Uh, recently I recognized the fact that I was far too heavy, far too heavy. And just literally a few months ago during revival in Pennsylvania, I was the heaviest I've ever been in my whole life. And I could tell it was affecting me. It was affecting me. I was getting winded while preaching all this other stuff. And, uh, I recognized the fact I'm far too heavy, not being a good steward of this body. So what I began to do was get a vision for where I wanted to go and then created a plan and then started employing restraint because it takes restraint. And so my wife was even blown away. She said, man, you, you're extremely, uh, you're being extremely disciplined on this. I didn't cheat. I didn't cheat Brandon for probably 60 days in a row and lost 30 pounds in 60 days, 30 pounds in 60, a half a pound a day, just being faithful. But what that takes is a vision. It takes a goal. It takes restraint or discipline to make sure you're accomplishing what's necessary for that to come to pass. And I'm not done yet. I'm going to still keep going. I have a goal that I've not yet reached. I've got a vision that I've not yet hit that I'm going to hit. And so what does it take? Here you go, Zach. Grab that. Thanks, buddy. Um, what is it going to take? It's going to take that kind of restraint in any area of your life. It doesn't matter what area we could be talking about your ministry. We could be talking about your business. We could be talking about your family. We could be talking about your marriage. You know, there's people that literally have a, a crappy marriage. You know why they got no vision for their marriage. They've got no vision for their marriage. They've got no vision for their relationship with their wife or husband. And so as a result, they have no restraint in areas where they need restraint. They've got no disciplines that will make their relationship great. Doesn't matter what area we're talking about, personal health, relationships, finances, ministry, career. It's all the same. It's all the same takes vision and it takes restraint. And so this is how it works. I don't know what Don, what you're talking about. You'd have to, you'd have to be more uh, specific than that. Anyway, I, I don't know if, are you talking about your uh, gym, Don? What if it got shut down during COVID? Can God give you a new one? You have to wait for it to open. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, your vision. Oh, if your vision got shut down, I don't, I, you're going to have to specify that. Anyway, as you move forward, your vision will bring restraint. He said, without vision, people cast off restraint. They just do whatever they want. A person that's got no vision does whatever they want. You can't do whatever you want. If you're, if you're headed towards a goal, that would be as foolish as saying, you know what? I'm going to get in my car and there's a specific destination that I want to go to but you know what? I'm just going to drive wherever I want. I'm just going to drive. I don't care. You could even put your GPS on and say, all right, here's the destination that I'm trying to get to. And then you're driving and then you, your GPS starts calling out voice guided directions. You know, in 1.2 miles, get onto the ramp to I-95. 
You, you could get that and say, you know what? No, I'm just going to go wherever I want. I'm sure I'll get there eventually. I, I'm just going to drive wherever I feel like driving. Well, you've got no restraint. Restraint is do what the vision dictates. See that? Put it in the comments. Vision, uh, restraint is, res, put, it, put it this way. Restraint equals do what the vision dictates. Restraint equals do what the vision dictates. If, it, if it's not in the vision, don't do it. If it's not part of the plan, don't do it. Do what the vision dictates. That's the key. And so where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. But where there is vision, people are restrained. I've been saying it this way to people who maybe have read it for years in the King James. Where there's no vision, people perish. But where there is vision, people flourish. You flourish when there's restraint and discipline. And so let me talk about this for a moment because one of the things that happens is because people don't have a specific vision for whatever we're talking about, finances, ministry, career, marriage, health, whatever, because they've got no vision, they don't know where they're headed. They don't know what to do. They don't even know what they want to accomplish. And so here, here's what I want to talk to you about that this will change you. This will change you. Uh, you have to be willing to make or set the proper kinds of goals in your Christian life. And deal with this because this is a, this isn't something from some Barnes and Noble bestseller. Uh, you know, I need that. Thanks. This, this is not something from some Barnes and Noble book, you know, some bestseller on the bestsellers list. This is a biblical principle that people throw out the window. Like it's not important, but it's very important. It's very important. Go to the book of Habakkuk chapter two, Habakkuk chapter two. Now I want to show you something. Listen to this Habakkuk chapter two. I'm going to read verses two and three. The Bible says, and the Lord answered me. This is Habakkuk two, two. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain upon tablets so he may run who reads it for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So let me deal with this for a moment. Here's where people get messed up. They have a goal, but you say, it's taking too long. I'm not seeing anything change. It's taking too long. And then what do they do? They give up on the vision and they cast off restraint and start doing whatever they want. But look what the Bible says. God said this to Habakkuk. He said, the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. If it seems slow, wait for it. I didn't lose 30 pounds in two days. I didn't lose 30 pounds in a week. I lost it in, over a period of two months. And I'm still not where I want to be. I'm going to head there. But I'm not there yet. I could get there and say, well, this stuff's not working. I'm no, it's working. You just got to wait for it. It takes patience. It takes patience and discipline. 
to make these things happen in the kingdom of God. That's why I've preached to you many, many times that of all nine fruit of the spirit, I believe the final one, self-control is the most important. Although Paul taught that love is the greatest of faith, hope, and love, the three things that will endure forever. Love is the greatest of all of those. You won't walk in love if you don't have self-control. So it actually takes self-control to operate in all the other eight fruit of the spirit. I believe self-control by the Holy Ghost, that's by the way, that's not a self-help message. You can't do it in and of your own flesh. It takes the Holy Ghost for you to have self-control. So I believe that it's the most important fruit of the spirit. And as we're talking about vision and goals, without question, it's the most important. Because if you don't have self-control, you will never discipline yourself to do what it takes to accomplish the vision God's given you. And so uh, let's put this in now. Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Write the vision. So let's deal with this now. If you've got a vision, if you've got a vision, write the vision down. Make it plain upon tablets that he may run who reads it. Well, you need to be the one running with it. (laughs) It's your vision. But you can't run if you don't know where you're supposed to run. You can't run if you don't know where you're supposed to run or how you're supposed to run. That's why defining it by writing it down is the most important thing you can do. Did you know they've discovered this just by studying people that are setting goals? If you will just merely write your goal down, define it, write it out on paper, type it in your phone, type it on your computer, you are 42% more likely to accomplish that goal just by writing it down. That'll blow your mind. 42% more likely to accomplish that goal if you just write it down. You know why? I'll, I'll give you the basis on why that's true. It's because you're defining it. You're doing what the Bible says, writing it down that they may run that read it. You're defining that thing. It can't be nebulous. It can't be vague. It has to be specific. Has to be specific. Uh, For example, going back to this analogy that I was using about myself losing weight, I can't just say, here's a goal that's a bad goal. Let me show you a bad one. I want to lose weight. That's a bad goal. That's a stupid goal. I want to lose weight. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? A better goal I want to lose 30 pounds. That's a good goal. Why? Because it's an actual vision that's attainable. So it's not only attainable, if you've never heard of SMART goals, I'll break it down for you today. Pastor and I were talking about this a couple days ago, but SMART goals, it's an acronym. SMART is an acronym and each letter stands for something. The first one S stands for specific. Your goals need to be specific. They they don't need to be nebulous. They don't need to be vague. A vague goal is I want to lose weight. A specific goal is I want to lose 30 pounds. That's specific. That's specific. And so I now know where I'm headed. I have a clear destination of where I'm going. You need that. You need that in your life. 
you know, let's say you're a preacher, a, a pastor. You don't want to just say as a pastor, you know, uh, this year in our church, I really would like to see souls saved. Bad goal. It's a bad goal. The good goal is this year after 52 weeks, I'd like to see 200 people saved in our church this year. That's a good goal. You know why that's a good goal? It's specific. You've got an actual vision of a specific thing that you want to see happen. Because if all you say is, man, in our church this year, I'd really like to see souls saved. Well, you could go 52 weeks of Sundays, have three people saved, and you accomplished your goal. Souls were saved. But were that, was that effective? Was three people after a year effective as a ministry? No. But you accomplished your vague goal. Souls were saved. No, be more specific than that. I want to see 200 people saved this year. I want to see 500 people saved this year. I want to see a thousand conversions in my church this year. That's a good goal. That's a good goal. And so you decide I've got something specific that I'm shooting for. And then as you move to the next letter in the acronym SMART, the M stands for measurable. Your goal has to be measurable, which means I have to be able to see how much of my goal have I accomplished? How close am I to completing what I've set out to do? You know, if you get five months in, six months into your year and your goal was 200 souls and you're only at 60, then you know it's time to ramp it up because you're not, you're halfway through the year, but you're not halfway to your goal. So you're not, it's not just a specific goal. It's a measurable goal. I'm not, you know, 60, 60, 60 people. And I've shot for 200. I'm six months down the road. I got to ramp up my soul winning in the last six months to meet that goal. It's not just specific. It's measurable. It's measurable, right? If you can't measure your goals, you might as well not even make them. Might as well not even make them because how would you know how well you're doing? How would you even know how you're progressing in your discipline if you don't know, if you can't measure it, right? And so it has to be specific. It's got to be measurable. And then number three, the A in the SMART acronym stands for achievable or attainable. <laughs> you've, you've got to set a goal that can actually be achieved. <laughs> you know, it'd be like if a church that just launched said this year, we want to win 2 million people to Jesus. Well, there's not even 2 million people living in your region. I'm thinking, I asked Pastor John, who pastors here at New Beginnings, Pastor John, what's the population again of Lufkin? 40,000 people. How many here in Huntington? 2,100. So Pastor John could say, I want to win 2 million people to Jesus this year. There are not even too many people here. There's what? 42 thousand people here. So it's not an achievable goal. It's not an attainable goal. You could set it. You'll be frustrated your whole life because you can't do it. I'll, I'll give you another one. You know, you know what I could, I could set as a goal that's completely unachievable and unattainable. I say, you know what? 10 years from now, I'd like to be in the NBA. Well, 10 years from now, I'm going to be almost 50 years old. You understand? I don't care how much I train. I don't care how much I work out. I won't be in the NBA at 50 years old. 
I'm just, it's not an achievable goal. Well, you're not speaking by faith, brother. People like that blow my mind. You know, people take the scripture out of context. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can apply that to every single thing in life. That's not the context of that verse, which is why I like when I saw a t-shirt online for sale that said, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. It's not what it means. So you don't just slap that verse on anything. Say, I'm going to be a superhero one day and have the ability to fly because I can do all things through Christ through strength. It doesn't work like that. And so you have to have something that is achievable. Now, you probably can achieve more than you think you can. I will say that. Most people underestimate how much they can do for the Lord. Most people underestimate how impactful, how effective. And it's for multiple reasons. Some have been told their whole life that they're stupid, that they can't ever do anything right. They grew up in broken homes. They don't have self-confidence. They don't have faith. They grew up in churches that didn't preach faith. And so most people don't truly have the mind of Christ on this matter. They don't have the faith of God to accomplish what God's truly called them to do. So I would say, if I'm just making a general statement, I would say the average person can accomplish more than they think they can in the natural. God will do more through you than you think you could ever have done through you. And so I, I'm not telling you that you should, you know, really limit your expectations. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you just don't set impossible goals that you can't achieve. And here's the other thing I do want to say. There's a difference between long-term goals and short-term goals. Hey, it might be very possible if by the end of his life and the end of his ministry that pastor John said, you know what, by the time I, if Jesus tarries before I die, I'd like to win a million people to Jesus. Well, that's a long-term goal. You understand? He may travel the world. He may go do a crusade. He may go evangelize as while he's pastor and all these different things and it can build up, but that might be achievable over his lifetime, but he's not going to say this year in 2020, I want to win a million people to Jesus. So in a long-term setting, it might be fine. In a short term, it's not achievable. So don't, don't make the um, mistake of trying to make long-term goals, short-term goals. That would be stupid of me to say, well, I want to lose a hundred pounds this month. It ain't going to happen unless I cut a leg off. You understand? So not that my leg weighs a hundred pounds, but it would help me to get there. <laughs> and so don't, don't make long-term goals, short-term goals. You understand? So it's got to be specific. It's got to be measurable and it's got to be achievable. It's got to be something you can achieve. It's got to be something you're able to do. Now, if you've got, I told pastor John, I said, listen, if you've got 42,000 people uh, living in this region, I said, I don't think you'd be out of your mind to say to God in prayer, Lord, I want in this phase one of ministry, I'd love you to give me 1% of the population in my church. Well, that's 420 people. That's, that's an achievable goal. Say, God, would you give us 1% of the population of Lufkin and, and, and Huntington in this church? Would you give us those souls? That's only 420 people, which would make this church one of the largest churches in the nations. You know, you understand the average church has 65 to 80 people in it on Sunday. That's the statistic. Average church runs 65 people on a Sunday. So if you got a church, you got 450 people coming. If you added those 420 souls to however many he's got coming, be close to 500. 
You, you think about that now. He'd be one of the biggest churches in the country. And that's only with the belief that God would give you 1% of your population being saved. That's not a crazy goal. That's not an unachievable goal. God will do that. You can have that. See, so it's something that you can hit, something you can accomplish, something God will do, and that you actually have the ability to uh, steward once it comes to you. If God, let me just say this, and this is true of pretty much any pastor, not pretty much any pastor. It's true of every pastor. I'm going to just, I know you should be very careful about using all and none and every, but I'm just going to say it because it's true of every pastor. If God put in your ministry 100 times your current attendance, you don't have the resources to steward them properly. You just don't. If a church, if a church runs 100 people and you multiplied that by 100, that's 10,000 people. If you're running 100 every week and your systems are set up for 100 and God gives you 10,000 the next week, you don't have the stewardship ability to handle that kind of a crowd. So understand something. God's not going to give you something that you can't handle that actually ends up destroying you. He wants to see you grow. Slow and steady wins the race. And I know I'm talking, I've quoted all year violent increase. And of course we believe in violent increase. I'm not saying that God won't do it, but when it comes to your uh, ministry, you're calling your purpose, God's not going to put more on you than you can handle. I always think of this, see, cause the Lord knows your heart and your ability. Why would God ever give someone something that would take them further from him? Think about that. If God knows your heart can't handle that level of blessing without letting him go. For example, for the average person, if you, they love, they love fishing. They love being out on the water, on the lake, whatever. Why would God ever bless you with a beautiful bass boat or a beautiful fishing boat? If it meant that he knew if he gave it to you on Sundays, you wouldn't be in church. You'd be out on the lake in your boat. Well, he's not going to give you something that's going to take you away from him. See what I mean? So God's not going to put something on you that will destroy you or diminish you. That's why he grows you from grace unto grace unto grace, victory to victory to victory to victory. Do you understand God? God didn't take David straight from lions and bears to subduing nations. He went from lions and bears to one giant, from one giant to all the giants, from all the giants to subduing a nation, from subduing a nation to nations. It's a, it's a growth tactic God uses to make sure you're faithful in every level in which he puts you. He doesn't want, you look at the average person, you go watch a documentary on the average person that wins the lottery, like the Powerball. You know what happens to them? It destroys their life. Within about 24 months, they're bankrupt, they're addicted to drugs, and their family won't speak to them. You know why? They, they just had a ton poured on them that they can't handle. They can't steward that kind of money. They've never had that kind of money, and they don't know what to do with it, and it destroys their life. God does not want to do that for you. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to prosper. Amen. And then finally, well, not finally, there's two left, but so S specific, M measurable, A achievable, and then R, the R letter in the acronym stands for relevant. It needs to be relevant to your call. <laughs> it needs to be relevant to your purpose. Let me give you an example. If you're a, 
I don't know. Let's say you're a, a pastor. I'll go back to that same, same, uh, same analogy since we've been on it. If you're a pastor, one of your goals does not need to be, you know, I'd like to open, I'd like to open up a, 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 a putt-putt course and a racetrack for, for bumper cars. It's like, okay, well, how in the world does that, is that relevant to your purpose as a pastor? You, you understand what I mean? Uh, or you say, I want to set a goal to go to medical school and become a surgeon. Okay, you can set that goal, but what does that have to do with your purpose as a pastor called into the ministry? And I'm using extreme examples so you can see what it does. It actually pulls you out of your actual purpose, your main purpose. It needs to be relevant to your call. It needs to be relevant to your purpose. So you set a goal. Is that, does this? Are you pulling yourself away from what you should be doing? Or are you actually building the thing you should be doing? Now, it's a whole different thing if you were to say, you know, as a pastor, I have a goal to build up a kid's ministry area where we have a beautiful uh, bounce house and we have, you know, all these you know, different things for the kids. We have jungle gyms. We have all this stuff we've got, you know, and you, you, you know, we, at some point in the future, we'd like to have a church building that's got a basketball court or that's got, uh, you know, a place where they can do laser tag or a paintball field or whatever it might be. That's not out of your purpose. Because now you're still building your ministry. You're still doing the thing God's called you to do. You're just expanding the scope and the reach of that thing, right? So it's not, that's not irrelevant towards your goal. That's not irrelevant towards your purpose, your ministry at all. So you have to determine, is this thing that I'm getting ready to set as a goal, is it relevant to my purpose and my call or is it irrelevant? There's things I'll never, ever do. Doesn't mean I couldn't do them. I have the ability. I have the skill. I have the wisdom to be able to accomplish it. I'm just not going to mess with it because it's outside my purpose. It's outside my call. I don't need to be messing with that. I could do it. I could be successful at it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And so it, you've got to be specific. You've got to be measurable. You've got to be achievable. You've got to be relevant. And then let me give you this. The final one here is that your goals need to be time sensitive, time sensitive. <laughs> That's the T time sensitive. And if you've never heard this before, I'm ho I hope you're grabbing it and taking notes because this will help you in your Christian life. Why does it need to be time sensitive? Because if not, you know what your flesh will do? <clears throat> Procrastinate and keep pushing it off into the future until it never gets done. Well, I'm going to lose 30 pounds one of these days. I'm gonna, I'll tell you what, I'm going to start a ministry one of these days. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. Needs to be a deadline. There needs to be a deadline. There needs to be uh, a schedule, if you will. Needs to be a schedule. That's why you don't just make it specific and you don't just make it measurable. It needs to be measurable over a time period. You understand what I'm saying? So that's why when I said to myself, uh, my initial goal was <clears throat> I'd like to lose 30 pounds by Thanksgiving. Well, I had my time sensitive deadline towards Thanksgiving, but I, after two months were done, I'd already done it. So I had to set a new goal. You got to, you can set a new goal. I said, well, I've lost the 30 pounds. Now I got to go for more, but I've still got time till Thanksgiving where my original deadline was. So I can keep my deadline. I just have to reset my goal because I've already accomplished it. And that will happen. 
You will accomplish some goals. And let me tell you, one of the things you'll learn as you're doing this in the kingdom is you'll learn yourself. You'll learn, hey, I'm actually able to produce faster than I thought I could produce. Then you got to you got to reset that and say, okay, I'm not going to give myself as much time. I'm actually going to do more in a shorter amount of time than I thought I could. But if you don't set a deadline, my friend, you'll be in trouble because your flesh will push it off, push it off, push it off. When you, let's just go back to the weight loss scenario. You wake up and say, you know what? I'm tired today. I'm not going to work out today. Today, I'm not going to eat right. Today, I'm not going to work out. You know, I'll start again tomorrow. You know, me, I've been, I've been uh, in the past, I've been very, very uh, known for that. You know what? I'll be back on keto tomorrow. I'm going to push that to tomorrow. I'm going to have tacos today, keto tomorrow. No, because if you do not set a deadline, see, that's the thing. If you don't have a deadline, then you will just continue to procrastinate in your purpose and things will never be accomplished. Never be accomplished. I'm setting a goal right now that before two hours comes to an end, I want another cup of this coffee. That's all I'm saying. That's my next goal. Yeah. I'm telling you, Billion, quarantine pounds getting on my nerves. I know the feeling. And I had to, I had to say, you know, I'm not going to let that happen to the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to make sure that I'm operating at full capacity for the Lord. And so you have that. And the key is, I'm going to be specific about these things. I know what I want. I know what's in my vision. I know, uh, I know what I want to accomplish for the Lord. So how do I get there? Well, I'm going to write it down. I have it in my journal. I have it in my notes, my long-term goals and my short-term goals. You got to know what, what do you want to do before this year comes to an end? But then what do you want to do in 2021? What do you want to see God do through you in 2021? But then here's the other question. What do you want to, if Jesus is to tarry, what do you want to see God accomplish through you before 2030 hits? That's your long-term goals. In the next 10 years, what do you want to see God do through your life and ministry and your career and your, your family? I should have a long, where do I want to be at 2030 if Jesus tarries? See what I mean? But what do I want to see happen before 2021 comes to an end? That's the upcoming year. But then I got two months left of this year. What can God do in 60 days? He can do a lot. He can do a lot. So I've got to be, I've got to put myself uh, in these, in these, in these uh, positions mentally and spiritually to say, you know what? I got to be faithful to the Lord. I got to be faithful to my calling, faithful to my purpose. I can't just be floundering through life. I got to get things done. I got to get things done. I have to have goals. And let me tell you, if I were you, and this is just a suggestion, I'm giving you a suggestion because I understand some of these things from the word of God. I personally believe that there are five areas of your life, five areas of your life where you need to set these kinds of goals. And I want to give you that today before I pray. I'm telling you, I believe before we finish this year, I believe God will do extremely mighty things through your life in two months. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. But let me give this to you because I really, really do believe uh, that there are five areas of your life 
where you need to be setting these goals without question. Number one, you need to set goals in your spiritual life. That's number one. And it should be number one, by the way, in priority level. I need goals in my spiritual life. So let's talk about this for a second. What kind of goals? Well, what are the spiritual disciplines that'll take you higher? You need to be praying every day. You need to be praying every day. That's not specific enough. So how long are you going to pray? I always recommend people pray at least an hour a day. Pray at least an hour a day. Seem pretty standard in the New Testament. Jesus talked to his disciples about it. Matthew 26, the apostles were doing it in Acts chapter three. Seemed pretty standard. So set a spiritual goal. How long am I going to pray every day? When am I going to pray? Am I going to do it first thing in the morning? Am I going to do it as soon as I get home from work? Am I going to do it on my lunch break? When? Put it in your calendar like an appointment and keep it. When am I going to do it? How long am I going to do it? See? Reading the word should be done every day. When am I going to read it? What am I going to read? Do I have a plan? Am I on a Bible reading plan? That, so I'm not just like, well, what should I read today? No. What, where are you at in your reading plan? What are you going to read? We have Pastor Joel Stockstill and I are developing a plan for you for 2021. For the first three months, we're going to go through the whole Bible together. And we're developing that plan. We're going to hook you up in the month of January, February, and March. And we're going to hit the entire Bible in three months. Go through it together. God's going to use that to build us to a new level. So uh, your prayer time, your, your reading of the word, uh, you should be faithful to church. But then here's another one, fasting. Fasting should be done regularly. When are you going to fast? I really like what uh, our church did at Dominion Christian Center, my uncle, Pastor Terry Shuttlesworth. He set it up so that every month we would do three days of fasting and prayer. Back to back, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, it, during one week of the month, every month. So you know what that does at the end of a year, 12 months, that gives you 36 days of fasting. That's a tithe of your entire year in fasting and prayer. It's given God 10% of your year in fasting and prayer. And so when are you going to fast? How long are you going to fast? When you fast, what are you going to pray for? What are you going to stand for? Goals, write them down. Know when it's going to happen. Spiritual, that's the number one area of your life that you need to set a goal in that area. Uh, number two, you need to uh, have goals in your mental life, your mind. God's given you a mind. What are you doing with your mind? What are you doing with your mind? Are you stewarding your mind properly? Do you have the mind of Christ? Is the Holy Spirit teaching you all things? Are you developing wisdom. <laughs> leaders are readers. I don't care what anybody says. Paul, when he was asking them to bring them things to his jail cell, he didn't just say, bring my cloak and bring my stuff. He said, bring my notes and my parchments and my books. Man of study. What are you doing with your mind? Few things you can, you can make a goal to do. Stop being a people pleaser. That'll destroy your mind. You'll always be depressed, anxious. Well, are they happy? Or do, what do they think about what I did? Are they, don't be a people pleaser. Destroys your mind. Meditate on scripture. Are you doing that daily? God told Joshua to do that. He said, meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on who you are in Christ. Not on who the world says you are. 
Meditate on who you are in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a king. I am a priest. The Holy Spirit that created all things that actually raised Jesus from the dead lives in my physical body. I'm empowered by the Holy Ghost. I am in right standing with God. I'm a child of God. I am a member of the body of Christ. I am Christ on the earth. You meditate on those things. Imagine yourself. Meditate uh, on those things. And then study. Master this mind. Don't let it master you. You master it. If you don't master your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, it will master you. So you need to set goals. Number three, third area of your life you need to uh, set goals in is your physical body. God's given you a body to take care of. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You need to control your flesh. Fasting will help you. You need to be taking care of, of your flesh because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you, dwells in you, wants to use you. How can he use you if you get to the end of your life and you're, you're immobile because you've just eaten yourself into the grave? Now you can't walk, you're on a walker. You, you're, you're, you know, your feet are black because you've got type 2 diabetes, not because you're a black person. I made Brandon laugh. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying to you? Take care of your body. Understand the temple principle. I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. What goals do I have to take care of the temple of the Holy Ghost? What goals am I setting? Am I just going to cast off restraint and just do whatever? Eat whatever? Eat as much, as as long, whenever? Or am I going to set goals? Take care of this temple of the Holy Ghost so I can run long and strong. I'm going to run long and strong in Jesus' name. Number four, you need to set relational goals. You need to have goals with your wife or husband, goals with your children. You need to know, how's my marriage doing? Am I working so hard that my marriage is falling apart? Am I so driven that my marriage is struggling? Is there still romance in my marriage? Is it like it was when we were dating? Are we still in love with each other? Do we still date? Do I still take my wife out? Fellas, ask yourself a question. Do you still buy your wife flowers like you used to when you were trying to gain her affection? Do you still get her gifts when it's not her birthday or Christmas or Mother's Day or whatever? Do you just come home randomly with a gift for your wife? You ever buy her flowers just to buy her flowers? Do you ever do things just, you know, for, for the sake of just because? Those are when it means the most, by the way. It's when it means the most. Are you still doing things? Do you know? Do you even know what your wife's love language is? People say, well, that just sounds pretty carnal. You know, it, that's real because God created us and created our personalities and actually, if you study the five love languages, Gary Chapman wrote that book, but if you study the five love languages, if you actually study that, you can see how God receives our love in all five of those ways. Never seen that. You ever seen it? Physical touch. God likes to touch his people. Giving of gifts. We love God by giving to him. Quality time. We come spend time in his house and spend time in his presence. Words of affirmation, that's praising him in prayer. You go through all of them. What's the fifth one that I always miss? Oh, acts of service. I always miss that one because it's not my love language. 
acts of service, but you're doing things. You're working on behalf of the Lord. You're winning the lost. You're preaching the gospel. You're doing that's acts of service. God receives our love in all five of those ways. He shows us his love in all five of those ways. We're created in his image and in his likeness. It only stands to reason that we receive love in all five of those ways. Know what your husband or wife's love language is. And then use that to show them love, to, to continue to build that relationship. Do it. Know what your children's love language is and use it to build your relationship. How are your relationships doing? Love like Christ. Set a goal to love like Jesus. What is that kind of love? The Bible says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Loving like Christ is a selfless, put the other first kind of love. That's loving like Christ. I prefer them above myself. And for the fifth area of your life that you need to set goals, that's the financial area of your life. The financial, and you can include in there your career, your purpose. Finances, career, purpose in the fifth area of your life. Amen. You need to do it. You should have goals financially. Are you a tither? If you're not a tither, why aren't you? This question I'd ask first. If I'm a Christian and I don't tithe, I've got a problem and I need to figure out what it is. There are other things in my life sucking my finances to the place where I can't even afford to give God 10%. You're in deep trouble. You're in problems because you're not even passing the heart test, let alone the giving above and beyond the tithe test. What is sucking your finances away in life that you can't even tithe unto God? You need to set new goals. Are you living beyond your means? You spending more than you have? It's a problem in America. Almost everybody's living beyond their means. As Dave Ramsey puts it, buying things to... Did that not plug in? How did it die? Oh, sorry guys. Our camera died. I hope you can still hear me though. If you can't, you can still hear me? Good. Let me know if you can still hear me. I don't know how the camera died. Give me a thumbs up in the section if you can hear me still, but you can't see me. Somebody help me out. Okay, good. Justin said they can hear you. It, what's sucking your finances away? What is uh, Nick, Nick, who is a financial uh, planner, Nick Greenwald's a financial planner. He could give you stats. He could tell you why. Here, use this. He could tell you why that people are struggling financially. He could tell you why. I mean, here's the thing. People live beyond their means. They buy stuff they can't afford, as Dave Ramsey said, to impress people they don't like. <laughs> that's one thing they're doing. But why are you, if that's the case, that means you've put a higher priority on impressing people a higher priority on having things than pleasing the Lord. And you can't do that. You can't have a higher priority on impressing people than you do pleasing the Lord. Let's see if we got it back. Oh my Lord, we're back. Thank you. I love that Brandon put up the scripture. A fool 
spends all that they have or that they earn. It's exactly right. A fool spends all that they have. Are you spending all you have? Is that what's happening? See what I mean? So, what are you doing in your life that you can't tithe? And if it were me, I would cut, I would have a whole sit down with myself and say, hold on, I got to make new goals. I got to cut things out so that I can do the priorities of scripture. I've got to be able to pay my tithes. That's my heart check. Got to be able to sew. I'm not going to spend all I have. You don't need more clothes. You don't need a better car unless it just doesn't run. But you understand we're doing things beyond our means, stuff we can't afford. Why? It's pride. We lost it again, Bert. Uh, We've lost it. Oh, no, no, it's just the screen. Never mind. I thought, it was, I thought we were going to get it. You understand what I'm saying? So that's the key. The key is don't, I agree, Brandon said it all relates to pride. It's no question it does. It all relates to pride. All relates to pride. So what are we going to do? We have to prioritize. We have to set goals. The most important things have to be first. Tithing has to be first. Giving has to be first. Providing for your family has to be first. The Bible says a man that doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an infidel. Think about that. Worse than an infidel. How are you going to bless the poor if you don't even have enough to bless your own family? Use proverb style wisdom in your life. That's a problem, Don. If people tithe but they can't give offerings. We're, we are called to tithe and to give above and beyond the tithe. Something wrong. We're living beyond our means if we cannot do that. We're living beyond our means. And that's not what God wants for us. It's not what God wants for us. So we have to be very careful that we don't allow ourselves to, to get our priorities wrong. And then we don't have goals that will keep us in a place of victory. God wants you to be in victory. But your goals have to keep you in victory. What does it take? It takes self-control from the Holy Spirit. It takes discipline for me to accomplish what God said I can accomplish. It takes discipline, yes. I like what Dave Ramsey said. And, and you know, I don't mind quoting him because he is a Christian man who has Christian principles. He doesn't even, you know, when people are in debt, I've even heard him say this personally. He never recommends that people pause their tithing to pay off debt. And I totally agree. There was a time I was in debt. I never, not only did I never stop tithing, I never stopped giving offerings. And in less than two years, God brought us out of a mound of debt, a mound. Bless me. But I never stopped tithing. I never stopped giving during that time. And so I want you to hear this now. Where are your priorities? Are you setting priorities that'll bring you into victory? But I love what Dave Ramsey said. He said, if you'll live like no one else now, later you can live like no one else. All he's doing is defining discipline. That's all he's doing. You know when some people get their tax return checks, they got all new sunglasses, all new clothes, all new shoes, all new phones, all new video games, uh, you know, you know when some people, because they go out and spend all that they have like a fool. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. And so I want you to hear this today. 
We have to be people who will set goals that'll bring us into victory. That's the reason many Christians fail. They've got no vision and they've got no goals. They don't even know where they're headed. They don't even know where they're headed. And as Bishop Oyedepo once said, if you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. Put it in the comments. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. So, so important. If you don't know where you're going, anywhere you arrive looks like it. And that's not what we want. We want to get to where God's called us to go. Can you imagine if the children of Israel never actually made it to the promised land? They just found a place in the desert and said, this must be the promised land. There's no water. There's no food. There's no grass. But hey, we're here. It's our chest bumping. It doesn't work that way. Go where God wants you to be. And the only way to get there is to follow his voice, is to have the vision of God, and to set the disciplines in motion to make sure you arrive where God wants you to be. Amen. I'm believing God. I want every one of you to be so blessed abundantly that it blows the minds of unbelievers around you. I want you guys to be so abundantly blessed that people can't even believe how God's got you living. Your marriage is the best. Your career is the best. Your finances are the best. Physical bodies are the best. You've got joy, peace. You don't experience depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. It's the best. God's desire for you is the best. You'd be the most impactful, most effective. That's what I'm believing for you. So I'm going to pray for every one of you today that God would strengthen you by his spirit, that the self-control of the Holy Ghost would be yours, that you'd walk in it, and that he would illuminate your mind. See, here I'm going to pray that God would speak to his people today and give them vision. If you don't have vision for your life, you need vision. And I'm going to ask the Lord that he would speak to you and give you vision. And then you give or have the goals set up and write them down so you can accomplish what God's called you to do. I know this has been a super practical broadcast, not a really whole lot of a spiritual revelation in this, but people need to hear it because it's the people want to get super spiritual, get revelation, but they don't do the basic stuff that brings them into victory. You need the basics. Because if we don't have it, we won't walk in victory. We won't walk in overflow. We won't walk in increase. And that's where God wants you to be. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for every man, every woman watching or listening today. I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus that you would put that fervor, that desire in them to be controlled by the spirit of God. Let us walk in supernatural self-control. In Jesus name, I pray in the mighty name that's above every name that you would give us a vision from heaven for our lives. Lord, if there's people watching or listening that are floundering through life, don't know where they're going, don't know what they're called to do. I pray that today you would give them a fresh vision from heaven for their lives, a purpose. Don't let them just wander through life. Let us walk with purpose and distinction in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you for that. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let us have clarity every area of our lives. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise that your sheep hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Throw some fire up in the comments if you believe and receive it today. And let me encourage you. 
as many of you are already doing, to stand with us today and give you an opportunity to sow a seed. It's part of those financial goals. We're going to be seed sowers. We're going to believe God to change this world together, which we're already doing. We're going to do more of it. As we come into 2021, it's going to be the best day we've ever seen. I know God's speaking to people right now to sow and to sow largely. Do what he's asking you to do. Sow what he's asking you to do. And I love that there's never, there never has to be any pressure on this broadcast. We're not in trouble. We're not in debt. All bills are paid. We have no debts. We're debt-free ministry. But now we're stepping out with vision. See, you're not giving towards needs today or any day. You're giving towards vision. That's an important distinction. You're not giving to pay a bill. You're not giving to pay off a debt. You're giving to push a vision. That's what you're connected with when you're connected with Miracle Word Ministries, the vision of God. And we're going to do that supernaturally. And 2021 is going to blow our minds. It's going to blow our minds. And so here's what you can do. Thank you, Vilma. If you'd like to give today, Lord's speaking to you, giving you a, a, an amount that he'd like you to sow, go to miracleword.com, click on the give page. There's multiple ways you can sow there. You can use a credit card on the website. You can set up a monthly partnership seed that recurring every month. Um, or if you'd like to give a one-time seed, you can do the same on the website or use PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, or hashtag donate in the comments section if you're on Facebook or Twitter slash Periscope. Not if you're on YouTube though. And uh, I want to say thank you. I want to be the one that says thank you first because we appreciate you standing with us. And of course, we have things we want to bless you with uh, for your seeds this month. If you're sowing $85 or more, we're going to send you Dr. Lester Summerall's book, Adventuring with Christ. If you're sowing $1,000 or more, we're going to be sending you uh, the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, New Living Translation, one of my favorite tools now. And then uh, also on top of that, uh, we're going to be sending you a hard cover, limited edition of Further Faster. Appreciate it. That's right, Norman, because of their unbelief. That's exactly right. The promised land takes faith. Your promised land will take faith without question. I love you guys, man, very, very much and appreciate you hanging with me. Again, we're here in Huntington, Texas at New Beginnings Church. I'll be back live again tonight, eight o'clock Eastern time. Uh, we're seven o'clock Central Standard Time uh, here in Texas. So you can always find us on Facebook tonight uh, for the service. I'll be back again in the morning, 1030 uh, AM, back with another broadcast. We'll make sure the battery packs are all charged. I love you guys. Have a great day and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.